Welcome home. Good morning. I am still Tom. Just so it doesn't distract you from God and His Word, I just want to explain. Um, Last night, I was feeling pretty old, and um, I tried to trim the gray out of my goatee, despite my endless attempts to be more like Ryan McBride. I felt I I had too much gray, and I slipped huge bald patch and so that was really sketchy so I I shaved the goatee part it just had the mustache it was kind of this 70s Burt Reynolds village people kind of thing and it was not it was not good so here's what you got Uh, we love you I am so glad you're here to be able to experience Jesus through the fellowship, and the worship, and the praise of his people. I can't live without it. I hope you can't either. It's wonderful. Uh, before we dive in, I have a friend you, whom many, many of you know who is back with us, but only for a brief time. Cat Lovejoy, great last name. She is, uh, yeah, she's back from Mexico, and she's uh, going to be uh, extending God's uh, love and joy. Uh, even more. So she wants to share some stuff with you. So, um, Can you guys hear me? Okay. Um, so some of you guys sent me money um, way after I left Gunnison to go to Mexico, and so I thought it would be important to tell you guys what's going on in Mexico. Um, I was in Mexico for a month, um, the 3rd of July to the 30th, um, and I worked with some missionaries down there um, bringing teams down and doing construction and BBS and stuff like that. Um, but I just wanted to catch like the, the highlights um, of what God's doing down there. Um, one of the coolest things that I got to see while I was there was um, going to this orphanage called House of Peace, or Casa de Paz in Spanish. Um, and it was it was one of those things, I think, that really just showed God's grace because um, these house parents that live at this orphanage have 13 kids. Um, three of them are their own, um, and the rest of them come from families that have drug problems or have lived on the streets. Um, and, um, these, these people just decided they wanted to take these kids in. Um, and I got to meet a kid, um, who lived on the streets for three years. His name's Christian. Um, and he is the, like the sweetest, um, the most considerate, the most, um, taking care of his siblings that I've ever met. Um, and he, um, it just really showed me how those parents are showing him their love and Christ's love, um. Um, and he's secure in that, and he can share that with his brothers and sisters and with me um, when he comes and asks me if he can take my backpack for me. Um, so it's just really cool to see how those parents are are giving those kids parents and um, getting them to school and helping them feel secure in, in their love and the love of, of Jesus. Um, the other place is a place called uh, Templo Alleluia, where they um, take um, squatters, people who squat on other people's land um, and live in whatever they can find in every day for lunch um, and have a worship time and a prayer time and then they feed them lunch and then they go back to their homes, which usually um, it's about the only meal they get. Um, And it's just cool to be part of something like that and be um, part of a group of people that is, as Mexicans, are taking a step to help people because a lot of Mexicans rely on the Americans that come down every year. So it's cool that they're taking that step. Um, VBS, we had two VBSs while I was there. Um, and the kids, um, I would say 95% of the kids in VBS went up to accept Jesus as their Savior. So 
Um, it was cool to see um, God working in that. And the last place is called um, La Escuela de Nogal, which means um, School of Hickory or Hickory School. Um, and it's in a place called Nava, which is 20 miles away from where I was um, that summer or this month. Um, and they are, they just changed hands and some people from the ministry I was with, Hands and Feet, took over and they're painting the school and tiling the floors um, and just providing a place of hope for the, the people who live in the community. Um, the, it's a pretty rough area. The kids come from families without fathers most of the time, um, and they grow up in a place where the influence is not to go to school, but to get a job and um, have women and, um, and just kind of be a, a macho man. Um, so it's a place of hope for the people, um, the parents and the kids, and um, uh, the people who just took over decided they're going to start, um, they're going to make sure that kids get at least one meal a day. They're going to have chapel every morning because it is a Christian school, and they're going to have P.E., um, just because I think a big goal of the school is to not just be a beacon of hope in the community, but fulfill the hopes of the people. Um, while I was down there, um, I decided I was going to um, move down there for a year and help teach at this school. Um, it's something I've always wanted to do, but I think it's something that it's a dream God gave me for a reason, not just something that I'm just doing because I'd like to do it, though that's part of it. Um, so I'm going to be moving down there August 20th, um, teaching sixth grade. Um, and my goal, um, like most of the school, is to help those kids take ownership of their lives and their education um, and be able to graduate sixth grade and move on to middle school and high school um, and be able to pre provide for their families. Um, but mostly just get out of that cycle of poverty of thinking, well, as a girl, I'm going to get married, have five kids, and live with them alone in my house when my husband's off working. Um, or for the boys, I'm going to be a man of God and I'm going to provide for my family and I'm going to have an education. Um, so that's my main goal. Um, and I'm learning that uh, the gospel is going to have to be the center of that, which is kind of interesting. Um, so um, I just want to tell you guys what's going on there because um, I feel like sometimes you guys support people like me and then you never hear about it <laughs> ever again. Um, so that's some of the big stuff that's going on. If you guys are interested in receiving newsletters from me or the hands and feet um, staff that are already down there, just come talk to me. Um, I'll be sending out at least newsletters and possibly eventually support letters. I know that's a, that's a dangerous word. but um, And I just want to thank you guys. Um, I just graduated from Western, most of you know. Um, and I... I can say that college was one of the best times in my life because of the people I lived with and the people I met in church. And I just want to thank you guys for modeling the freedom of Christ to me, even when um, I was definitely not free. Um, and I just feel like I've done a 180. I always kind of think of Paul um, when he gets um, kicked off his horse um, by God and does the 180, and he's like a totally different person. And I feel like that's where I'm at. And um, I've been set free from lies and sin, and I've been set free from legalism, um, and uh, if, I, if I wasn't um, grounded or secure in Christ's acceptance of me because of what he did on the Christ, cross, there's no way I'd be able to go to Mexico without, I don't know, having a nervous breakdown at least, so um, I just want to thank you guys for that and let you know that that's what God's doing in my life, um, and just ask you to keep praying for me to remember that I just rely on God and his grace, and for the kids at that school, that we can show them that also. Thanks. God bless you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Tom. 
You rock. Yes, God is great. Um, we're so, so, so happy. So uh, thank you, Kat, for sharing. We get you until August, or are you going to go, like, see your family or something? Okay, till the end of the week. Oh, you're breaking my heart. Okay, welcome home. Good. So glad you're here. Uh, Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30, uh, 3, sorry. Proverbs 3. That's where you want to be? 30 is great, but we're looking at 3 this morning. Kids, bye-bye. Go to Children's Church. Escape, Tom. There you go. God bless you. We love you. We are kicking off our final summer series this week. It is called, you may have guessed if you have a, a bulletin, Foolish Trust. Ryan Wright was cool enough to include a picture of me on the rock face. Um, it's called Foolish Trust. We're going to be in this for four weeks. I am so excited about this. Um, we're going to be in this for four weeks. Um, and it's called Foolish Trust because Jesus is forever calling us to live in, in such a way, to trust him in such a way that the people around us, perhaps who don't know Jesus or don't know him the way that we know him, think we're foolish. And the second meaning of foolish trust, see, has a double meaning, it's very deep, um, is this is this. We're going to take a look throughout these four weeks at the other things that we tend to trust in instead of Jesus and how foolish that ends up being. So uh, I hope you'll stay with us because God has so many great things. Trusting Jesus fully, trusting Jesus radically, recklessly, ruthlessly, tirelessly, foolishly, will bring you more into his presence to appreciate his incredible, passionate, boundless love for you, will give you more of a love for him, and will uh, allow him to break through in your lives and show up and show off, as, as Ryan so often prays, in new and fresh ways. And, and it's wonderful. It will fill you with confidence in him, and at the same time, you're going to see your worry and your anxiety and your stress start to evaporate in, the, in, in his presence and in the trust, the foolish, boundless, reckless, ruthless trust of Jesus Christ. That's a good deal. That's what's in store for us. Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, you are so, so good. You are better than any of us here conceive. You are great and holy and mighty, and your heart is toward us, although we don't deserve it. I know I don't. And Lord, today, uh, in your word, we not only want to read it, we want it to read us. We want you, please, to show us your glory, show us your truth, show us yourself, and let us be changed transform our hearts. And Lord, those parts of us that are not yet trusting you fully, Lord, we would relinquish and we would find the absolute joy of knowing you've got us. You've got it all in control. Lord, forgive me my sins and I wish they were not so many. We ask that we would see Jesus and him only. And it's in your precious name, Lord, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. That's where we are. Now, um, 
These are going to be our root verses as we go through. Each week, we're going to take a look at a scripture where people are trusting God foolishly, trusting Jesus recklessly, and, and, and all that comes from that. So since this is our root verse, we're going to study it today and unpack it today, and then we're going to build on that in the weeks to come. I'd like for you all, these are mostly small words, and we're going to go slow. So I'd like for you all to read it with me, okay? Here we go. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Amen. That is a beautiful, deep, rich, wonderful promise. And if you think you understand it, hang on. Hang on. God's got so much. Um, Let's look at verse 5. Let's start right there. Trust. Stop there. Stop there. So we're commanded to trust. And this should be easy for us because we all trust all the time. Whether we know it, whether we realize it or not, we all trust all the time. We trust that an unnamed guy in New York is going to actually send you that thing on eBay that you ordered, right? Some of you parents trust every day that your kids actually are where they say they are, doing what they say they're going to be doing. In some of your cases, that's foolish trust. But it's trust nonetheless, right? You trust every day. Okay, um, like Caleb and Sabrina and Sabra. Just cover your ears. You trust when you go to Mario's and they refill your drinks and everybody is drinking like dark beverages that they're not switching the glasses up (laughs) when they come back. Sue me. Right here. You trust that one of the actual ingredients in sesame chicken is chicken. You hear me talking, girl? Okay. We're trusting you. We all trust. We all think that we, we trust whether we realize it or not. The question is not do we trust, but who whom or what are we placing our trust in? And, and for the Christian, that trust is in Jesus. Trust is one of the most important aspects of following Jesus Christ. Trust is essential, absolutely essential. It's what the Christian faith comes down to ultimately. Without radical trust, you can't follow Jesus. Without radical trust, you can't follow Jesus regardless of how many badges you got in Awana, regardless of how much you stoked and ruled Sunday school. It doesn't matter how much memory Bible verses you have. If you do not trust, you cannot follow Jesus. And it's tough. It's tough on us because if you've been a Christian any length of time, if you um, attend Bible study after Bible study after Beth Moore simulcast after this, after that, You already know so much. You already know, not that we're not supposed to learn truth and learn God's word, but you already have enough truth to last you two lifetimes, some of you. This is the time to put trust in those things that you know. This is the day. This is the season to actually trust. Trust is this, living as if 
everything we believe about Jesus is actually true and standing on it, jumping up and down on it, throwing all of our weight, all of our hope on it. You don't own your faith until it's translated into trust. We don't. All the things we say we believe, unless they lead us to foolish trust in the beautiful God who spoke them, you don't own it. We don't own it. So this is transformative. Trust is turning over the management of every single aspect of your life completely to the care and custody of Jesus Christ. Turning over the management of your life and every single small aspect of it to the care and custody of Jesus. That's what it is. And none of us is completely there. This is part of progressive sanctification. None of us is there. So uh, if you're in the church, if you're far from God, um, we're, we're starting. We're taking the next step. Craig Rochelle has a new book out called uh, Christian Atheist. And uh, I highly recommend it. And the subtitle is Believing in God but Living as if He Didn't Exist. Perfect definition. And churches are filled with people who do this. Amen? Believing in God but living our lives as if he didn't exist. Back to the verse. Who are we supposed to trust? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, right? That's good. Trust in Jesus foolishly. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is all-present. He is all-loving. Trust in him. He can do all things. Luke one thirty seven. prior to Jesus' birth, God says this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now, nothing is impossible with God. The problem with so many people who are filling our churches, who are claiming Christ, is that our Jesus is too small. That we trust God only for the only for the likely, only for the things that we've seen him do in our lives that we've had faith in him to do in the past. Nothing is impossible with God. It's time that we started praying prayers and living that in ways that makes all heaven sit on the edge of the seat. Right? Wow. Did you hear that? Did you hear what they're believing Jesus for? That's what I'm talking about. Right? That's what I'm talking about. He can do all things. He can do the it's possible. It's time that we as individuals and families and churches and a community and a college aspire to things that he's calling us to that are so outrageous. Leaving everything and going to Mexico or staying here or loving our families like we've never loved them before or seeing our community as a, as a mission field. He's calling us to that. Why trust God? Because he's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. We're going to overwhelm you with, with reasons, and, 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 and we want to be saturated in that. His word will never fail, and all his promises are ironclad. If you're a Christian, look at it this way. You trust him for the forgiveness of your sin debt. As Christians, we believe that Jesus came 
for us, came for us, lived the life that you and I could not live, died the death that you and I deserved, right? Our name was on the cross. He said, no, let me take it. Let me pay that so they can go free, right? He died for our forgiveness. He rose for our salvation for us. We trust him with the cancellation of our sin debt, something that no one else, nothing else in all creation, not our best works, our best faithfulness could ever do. We trust him with that. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, in one sense or another, do you not trust him with the management and running of the universe? Right? He does that for you, whether you acknowledge him or not. So if we can do that, what? Learning how to love your wife again is too difficult for him to handle? The economy and your job and your finances and all this stuff is too complicated. The life change that you're going through or you're about to go through is too confusing for him or he's not able or loving enough to be trusted with that. How about your kid who day by day becomes more of a delinquent, right? Okay, there's none of you out there like that. Uh, What? He's never seen that before? Or maybe something in their life that they're struggling with? You can't place that in his hands fully and completely? One thing before we... um, Leave that. Um, This is a real subtle thing. Um, It says trust in the Lord. That's a person, okay? Why this is subtle is that so many of us end up trusting in him to deliver that which we demand through prayer, okay? That's different than trusting in the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that when we pray as Scripture guides, as we pray for the things that are weighing on our hearts, that are challenging our lives, we're not to trust him to answer that. But if our trust is in how much we can yank his strings and get him to do what we want him to do, rather than trusting in the personhood of God, then we are one prayer away from having our faith disintegrate. God forbid, if if Cherie comes down with cancer, I am going to pray and trust that God would heal her and I'm going to place my, my trust in him, but it's going to be in him. And if he chooses to call her home, I'm still trusting in him. Amen? That's the subtle difference. We do trust entirely in do, but our primary trust is in him, his faithfulness, his knowledge, his sovereignty. And that way, regardless what happens, I can be joyful. I can be at peace. I can continue to trust. Okay, moving on. How are we supposed to trust him? Verse 5, trust in the Lord how? With all your heart, not with little pieces Not a little bit here, a little bit there. I'm going to trust in him, but I'm going to act like he's not there. Right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means there's not a part of my heart. There's not a part of your heart, your mind, your life. 
that it's not trusting in him. As, as I said, we are growing in this and none of us is there yet. We need to take the next step. That's how we're to trust him with all our heart. That's the goal. Part of progressive sanctification. And the better we know him, the more that we love him, the more we will trust him. Right? So we're going to spend time in the word and let it speak to our hearts so that we know him, so that we love him. It leads to trust. We're going to listen. We're going to listen and do. We're going to speak to him forever in prayer, continually, in thanksgiving, and supplication, and worship, and, and in every way, asking questions and, and, and praising his name all the time. And we're going to get to know him. We're going to get to love him. We're going to get to trust him. We're going to seek out his people. We're going to seek out his will. That's how we do it. So continually look and think on Jesus. Be saturated in his word. I don't feel like it. Tommy was, was in this place. He was dry. My son, if you don't know him, um, well, you should. Uh, he's 21 and lives in Chicago. And he said, just going through a real dry patch. And I said, well, have you been in the Word? He goes, well, not that much. Not like it used to be. I just don't feel like it. Here's the thing. When we feel like it the least is when we need it the most. And if we can just get there, he will pour living water into you. He will, he will feed you, and, and, and you'll know him, trust him. It's, it's great. Okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We have to go back to the first verse of that chapter because it's in context. What, uh, what does the first verse say? My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. So trusting in the Lord with all your heart includes doing what God says to do. Makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, how foolish does the way we sometimes live really sound. We say, Lord, I know you're all powerful. I know you're all knowing. I know you're all present. I know you're all loving, but um, I'm still thinking you just might leave me hanging. So I'm going my own way. Okay. How can you trust somebody with all your heart and not take their advice? You can't. I mean, it's, it's not possible. So here we say, let my heart keep your commandments. Do not forget his teaching. What's the end of that verse say? And do not, this is a warning, do not lean on your own understanding. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about this. Do not lean on your own understanding. In his love, in his wisdom, God is now leading us. He's saying, look, there is a minefield that you're going to go dancing through. I'm trying to stop you. That minefield is this, leaning on your own understanding. Why is that a minefield? Before we get to that, it says do not lean on your own understanding. Here we have another picture of what trust is, putting all our weight on, leaning on. Okay, so lean on me when you're not strong, you know. Yeah, okay, sorry. Um, excuse me a second. God bless you. God is saying, lean not on your own understanding. Do not, whatever you do, trust yourself, primarily your own wisdom, your own thoughts, right? Don't do this. Why? Three things I want to see about do not lean on your own understanding. First one is this. Do not lean on your own understanding because 
you and I, we are stupid. I'm not insulting you. I'm part of that. I'm just, I'm just bringing you the word, you know? I mean, we, the most holy, the most educated, the most steeped in the Bible of all of us are ignorant about the things of God, comparatively, okay? You don't believe me? What is the animal that Jesus most often associates us with? Sheep. Now, sheep may be cute. Sheep may be cuddly. Sheep may be lovable. I don't know. But I do know this. Sheep are stupid. Okay? I'm a sheep. Jesus is our pastor. Be grateful for that. Now, here's the thing. We are sheep. Now, sheep are probably... I haven't done the study. Probably the animal with the lowest IQ aside from our dog. And, and he said, do not lean on your own understanding because we're stupid. He's not. You need more proof? You need more proof? Look at some of the life choices that we've made. Yes? We could be here all day, me just unpacking the stupid life choices I've made. And, and not to say some of you, Right? The motto of the person who trusts in themselves is this. Well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. In middle school, getting that neck tattoo. Yeah, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Get this. The police never think it's as funny as you think it is. They don't. What do people who... Put their trust, lean on their own understanding. Well, I'm going to go into my boss. I have had it up to here. And I'm going to give him or her a piece of my mind. How'd that work out for you? (laughs) Right? Right. (laughs) Don't worry. We'll stop before it gets out of hand. Besides, I don't think I'm ovulating. Really? When's the baby shower? Um, I know I'm a married guy, but I can't see the harm in Facebook friending my old high school flame. Really? Do not lean on your own understanding. The heart, the Bible says, is an idol factory. We're always looking for something to pursue or something to worship other than Jesus, the best of us. So don't lean on your own understanding. It's, a bu- it's like a bunch of us in church going around wearing rubber bracelets that say, ask the question, WWID. What would I do? What would I do in a situation like this? Don't do that. That's the very thing we need to be saved from. That's the very thing we need to be rescued from. Well, that's just me. We're not called to be me. We're called to let Christ have his life inside us, to turn us into the men, the women that he created us to be. On my own, I'm not going to do that. Number two, do not lean on your own understanding and trust Jesus with the things you think you know. 
the things that you do all the time, a thousand times you've done this. You could do this in your sleep. Trust him in the mundane, everyday things that you think you don't need him for. And he will show up in ways that will rock your world. In things that you've done remote, almost by, by automation before. I do this every day, several times a day. I don't trust him in that. Trust him in that. He will transform that into worship. It, it's incredible. Proverbs, uh, right after these verses, Proverbs 3, 7 says this, be not wise in your own eyes. Don't think you know every darn thing. Don't. We're supposed to be humble, right? God knows everything. This is the disease of the 20-year-old, okay? Right? Or the senior in high school. They know everything. God bless them. But some of us never outgrow that. Never outgrow that. We don't know everything. Even the things I think I know, I don't know. I know him, and I'll trust him. Don't lean on your own understanding. It sounds funny, um, but trusting in your own understanding can lead to stepping on a landmine in life again and again and again. And the word says it leads to eternal death. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. I know how to do family. I know how to do relationships. I know how to do intimacy. I know how to do finances. I know how to do um, children. I know how to do work. I know how to do faith. I'll take a little from here and a little from this faith tradition and this, and I think things would go well this way. There is a way that seems right to you and to me, and the end is death, and God calls us to life in him, and that is trusting him. Third thing, okay, this is a little more complex. Do not lean on your own understanding for what to trust Jesus with. Okay, you get that? Are you tracking Don't lean on your own understanding for the things to trust Jesus with. He will never lead you in any way that his word does not square up with, okay? If what you think he's leading you to trust him with, you can't find in here, don't do it. It's not him. I'm trusting God for a new indoor pool. Really? I'm having trouble finding that. First Greed, one fourteen. I don't know. God isn't blessing you. God isn't blessing me financially or any otherwise simply for our own comfort. What is he about? He's about unveiling his beauty, his love, his salvation, his truth to the world. So whatever he entrusts me with, I got to say, what's your highest priority? Okay, Lord, I'm trusting you. Uh, I think I'm going to quit my job and just trust you to meet my resources, all my needs. Well, the Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. You know, and I'm not saying if he's calling you to a ministry. I'm not saying if he, but we have to make sure it squares up with the word of God. 
Trust in Jesus foolishly in what he's calling you to do, not for what you want to do. Because we can get it mixed up. We can, under the guise of prayer and Christianity and faith, we can start to become God, right? And say that, well, he's here to make my life what I want it to be. When we're here to find life, true life in him, okay? Take Abraham. Abraham's a great example. Abraham um, is a guy who trusted God foolishly for something God called him to do. Hebrews 11.8 says this. I love this. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out. This is the best part. Not knowing where he was going. Now, Abraham is a full card-carrying member of AARP. He is retired. He is decrepit. The Bible said he was as good as dead. And God tells him, get this, you're really well-established. You're really wealthy. I want you, I'm going to create a new humanity, right? So I want you to go away from everything you're familiar with, away from your land, away from these people, away from your comfort zone to a place. And I'm going to show you when you get there. And what does he say? Okay, God, I trust you, right? Can you see Abraham with his walker leaving the retirement home? He's just walking out. And, and people are just coming. They're doing their coffee clutch. They're coming out. They're dropping the shuffleboard cues. Hey, Abe. This is Tony Campolo. I love it. Hey, Abe, where are you going? I don't know. When are you coming back? I don't know. How long are you going to be there? I don't know. How are you going to live? I don't know. And he keeps going. He says, why are you going in the first place? He says, because God has a plan and I trust him. All the power of heaven is unleashed that moment when we take God's calling and trust him, throw our full weight upon it as Abraham did. Abraham did not have clarity on the what. Abraham did not wait to get clarity on the what because what Abraham had dialed in was the who. How many of us how many of us, in how many areas of our lives, we have felt God's glorious drawing, calling, whether that's to a ministry, whether that's to uh, a change in our life. He's calling us out of darkness and into light, whether it's to uh, faith and, and trusting in him for the very first time. And, we, and we, we hesitate because what we want most is the whole roadmap. I want to know where we're going, how long we're going to be there, where it ends, what it's going to cost me. And he's going, trust me. Give me clarity. I want to know. Well, if you had all the facts, if you had the whole itinerary, you wouldn't trust him. How many of us are waiting for clarity? without focusing on the who. Foolish trust in Jesus means if it comes from him, I trust him. Now, this doesn't mean that we 
we go back to our own understanding. doesn't mean we're stupid. Matt Chandler says this, I love it. Stupid for Jesus is still stupid. Okay? So we go where he calls us, when he calls us, the way he calls us, and we trust him. Even if that's staying right where you are and just doing it in a different way. Okay. We're going to get you out of here. Trust me. <laughs> in all your ways, acknowledge him. Who's him? Jesus. Anybody think about that? Good answer. Uh, in the seemingly impossible, in the mundane, trusting him, live a life saying in prayer at every step, okay, Jesus, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? Let's go. Let's do it. Every day, all the time. Our lives would be so different. What could we do? What could we do? We could risk it all, right? We could live dangerously. Let me tell you, the difference between the mundane life that you and I live and the people in the Bible, and the call of God, and the glory of God, and the advancement of his kingdom is trust, ruthless, uncontrolled trust in Jesus Christ. The difference between the people in here, me included, and the people in here, are they trusted God. Ruthless, foolish trust in Jesus Christ makes spiritual heroes out of everyday people. And you and I can decide to do that. Six, the end is six. Here we go. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. Now, this is conditional. If you trust, if you lean not, if you acknowledge him, we do our part. God does his part. We're trusting him. If we trust him, if we obey, he has some wonderful promises for us as his children. You will know his will. Better than that, you will be in the center of his will. How do I know God's will? How do I know God's will for my life? Trust him. Trust him and walk. Where he says go, what he says do, do the next right thing. Do the next thing he's told you to do. I don't know where it's going to end. He does. Do you trust him? Okay. What does that look like? Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil. Some translations say plans to bless you and not to curse you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He will be there for you. He will prepare the road for you. Um, some time ago, Ryan, who used to drive a bus as well, was talking about um, driving the basketball bus uh, back from, oh, it was west. So Grand Junction, Monarch, or, or uh, Montrose or something like that. Incredible um, snowstorm. You're, I believe your brother was on that bus. Were you on that bus? Okay, you have no idea how close he came to like, you know, it's true. Um, Ryan, who has driven in a lot of conditions, said this was insane, the whiteout. And he was praying, and he was shaking, right? And from nowhere, there's this snowplow that comes in front of him that he hadn't seen before, plows the way in front of him, and the lights lead him home. Okay, well, that snowplow was there. Jesus promises he will make your path straight. He will pave the road in front of you. Where there is no road, he will send a road crew to build a road. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Nothing is impossible with God. Stop basing your hopes, your dreams, your faith on that which seems likely or that which seems possible. He's not calling us to that. 
He's calling us to trust him with all that we are, for all that he is. He will make a way. Trusting Jesus allows you to dream, to risk, and to stop playing it safe. Live dangerously. Risk it all. Foolish trust in Jesus is the difference. I want to overwhelm your, your fears, your doubts with Scripture. Here we go. Um, um, I'll tell you what. We'll go through a few of these, and I'm going to get you out of here. Uh, when the situation is hopeless, trust in Jesus. Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Jump back to verse 1 of the same chapter. Isaiah 43, 1 through 4. But now, says the Lord who created you, O Jacob who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers... They shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Trust me. Trust me. You think you have to hang on to me. I'm holding on to you, and my grip does not slip. Trust me. That's what he's saying. When you feel helpless, trust Jesus. Isaiah 41, 10 and 13. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Write these down. Don't have time to read them all to you. Isaiah 40, 11. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Psalm one twenty seven. By the way, the Psalms are the boot camp of trusting in Jesus. Okay, camp out there. You will know Him, love Him, trust Him more. It's wonderful. Psalm twenty seven two, Philippians four six through seven. Here's some more Psalms for you. Psalm nine nine through ten, Psalm twenty seven twenty verse seven, Psalm thirty seven five through six. All of Psalm 91. Hebrews 3, 5. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Trust Jesus when it makes no earthly sense to do so. When it seems foolish to those who have less faith. We're going to close. I know you're hot. I'm hot too. How much do you trust Jesus? How much? Here's a good way to tell. How much do you worry? How anxious are you? How stressed out are you? We cannot worry and trust Jesus at the same time. Trust will not have worry as a roommate. We can't trust him and still wonder if he's going to leave us hanging. How much do you worry? The more you know Jesus, the more you love him, the more you will trust him. And so we're here to grow in knowledge and love and trust. And the less we'll worry, the more peace and joy we'll have. Trust is the basis for any relationship, you know, loving trust. So some of us have trusted him in certain areas of our lives and need to trust him fully in others. 
some of us have never trusted in Jesus at all as our Lord, as our Savior, as the forgiver of our sins, as the one who offers us his life in exchange for ours, forgiven and free. So we have an opportunity today to take the next step. What is that thing that consumes you with worry? You're not trusting God with that. He's calling you to trust him, to trust him. I have trust issues, you say. I've been burned in the past. People you've placed your trust in have let you down. Let his spirit call to your heart and break through. He's not like every other guy. He's not like every other woman. He's not like your mom. He's not like your dad. If they let you down. Don't let the issues you have with trust keep you from trusting Jesus. Some of us have control problems. When we trust, we relinquish control. My life is not my own. You're saying I can't micromanage God? No, you can't. It's exhausting to try. Lay it down. Trust him foolishly. We're going to pray, and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. What the Lord's Supper is, is us saying, we trust that your body broken for us and your blood shed for us is sufficient. We as a body trust. Let's take that next step. Let's pray.